Geek Tank Radio, News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis. Welcome, everyone. We are the Geek Patrol, and our microphones don't have a stun setting. Today's episode of Geek Tank Radio is brought to you by Gotham Realtors, specializing in <laughs> premium oceanfront commercial properties. <laughs> oh, boy. And they're having a uh, Joe, fire sale today Joe, right now. <laughs> you're spoiling the movie already. Yeah, right out of the gate, two seconds in, spoiler. You know, now, uh, you Aren't know. those the guys that were underwriting the Rancor damage last week? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, probably. Bad news. They just, the timing is everything, folks. But uh, anyway, welcome to uh, Geek Tank Radio, everybody. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends. Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max behind the glass. And uh, in a moment, we're going to introduce a special guest, somebody that's been away too long. He needs to be, he needs to be, you know, more regular well, visits, well, but I mean, he's busy. He's a busy we, guy. Last week when we were at the home show uh, off the air, we were talking about people that we haven't had on in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and we were realizing we have so many regulars that we haven't brought to our new home and he was at the top of the list. Yeah. So we're going to bring him in in just a second. Uh, before that, uh, Brandon, now we really beat our Batman discussion into the ground last week. We I mean, did. as we're wont to do, because anytime anything happens with Batman, you and I, of course, are going to dig our heels yeah. in and just go for and it. And I'm going to go ahead and throw this out there to the audience. If you would like to see me and uh, you know Joe get together every once in a while and just do like a two-hour Batman podcast that we can throw on our Spotify channel, <laughs> we can do it. And yeah, let's do it with just you and me because yeah. Alan likes to derail the conversation. Well, because Alan, start... do- Alan doesn't like Batman. Yeah, Alan hates everything. He doesn't care you know, unless it's food. Unless Batman starts a cooking show, he doesn't care. Hey, there I... is. I'm sure that somewhere out there, there is a Gotham City Diner cookbook. Yeah. Well, there needs to be because it's all depressing food. Yeah, so <laughs> they don't do anything happy. It's yeah. just you take comfort food and you get, take food from Jersey and you mix the two. Mm, so, how about this, Brandon? I just, think I just I think I just killed Alan's appetite, which has mm. never happened before. How about this? Let's just do a few uh, cursory spoiler light comments about the Batman, uh, and then right. we'll um, we'll bring our guest in in, in a minute. But uh, well, let's just I'm just going to say it right out of the gate. It is absolutely my favorite live action Batman, I hands com- down. I completely agree with you. Okay, good. So. Yeah, look at this. Me and Joe agreeing on a movie that mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. Do, you know doesn't happen often, and I bet we come at it from a different you know the same angles too. Well, here here's my angle. Basically, I as you know, I I've kind of uh, beat a dead horse on this one too. My favorite Batman content in terms of reading material is from like the mid to late '80s and into the early '90s. I think that was a golden era. It it all revolved around. The time the 89 Batman movie came out, all these titles, including my favorite, which is Legends of the Dark Knight. And I feel like, um, and then some of the, like, the, the long Halloween and some of these epic stories. Uh, and I felt like Matt Reeves and I uh, saw the same thing about Batman. Uh, he, I, he and I are both fans <laughs> of the same aspects yeah. of Batman, I felt. There's, so. There is something that has been missing from all the Batman movies when it comes down to it. You'll see a little glimpse here, a little glimpse there. But honestly, when it comes to Batman media, the best that it's ever been before this was in the game Arkham Asylum. Oh, where right. He, where Video he, games. It's yeah. just as much a detective story as it is an action beat-em-up. And that's what's so great about this is we actually lean into the – I mean, if you took the characters of Batman and Catwoman and all them out of this and just made this like, you know, a Sam Spade story where there's something going on. And he's kind of working with the cops, but also against the cops and everything. This would fit in with those kind of movies, those noir detective stories. And the look was just gritty. It looked 
great. This it, movie is gorgeous. And it's uh, and the other part of that is uh, Brandon. I think if there's something lacking in the Christopher Nolan trilogy for me, it's that the stakes are too high. The city is going to be taken over. The whole you yeah. know. And um, when it when Batman is only involved in situations like that, I feel like you're missing yeah. a big part of his character because what makes him cool is the average street thug that's wondering if Batman is going to come out of the shadows right. and, and we get kick to, his butt. And, you know, uh, and we get both. We get a mixture of epic and get, street yeah. level. We get so. to see that stuff. In fact, the big, crazy, epic story doesn't really even factor in until way later after there was an hour left after I thought the story was over. And then right. they surprised me with more story that made it even better. I did not realize I was in the theater for three hours. It doesn't feel like a three-hour movie. And, folks, I Guys, would say if you've got uh, any friends that are maybe they're not into superhero yeah. movies, this isn't even I, – I, I hardly even think of this yeah. as a superhero movie. I, I, this, as a Batman fan, I will tell you, this is the most Batman movie we have ever gotten while being the least Batman movie Batman movie we've ever gotten. What do you mean by that? As in – Everybody leans into this giant epic storyline when it comes to the movies, and this is a character that does so well in the smaller, more intimate stories, and we got that. Yeah. So we're point. finally gift wrapping Joe what he has always wanted. Everything you have asked for since I've known is you. Everything the Batman. that you, you talked you, about. We have a Batman story. Yeah. All about that character. Down to little details. This isn't a spoiler, uh, but if you remember, Brandon, we said one of the things that you get in the comics are, are Batman's thoughts. You get his inner right. monologue. His narration. You get his narration. Well, we got a little you of that. that. We've been saying we've wanted something like that all along, yeah. and we finally get it. It's it's he, just outstanding. I'm going journal. to see it again Sunday. Mm. So Yeah. It's it's awesome. So that that's it. We're not going to ruin it because it really is a, a yeah. unique we're gonna movie give experience. You guys, we're going to give you guys out. a week. Yeah, it's it's well worth seeing. So, all right, we're going to shift gears. We're going to continue a discussion of the arts, but uh, it's going to be with a very special guest. And he's a he's a geek, but he's also very cultured. Uh, we'll bring him in. So stand by. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio here on News Talk 98.9 The Roar of Memphis. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Geek Tank Radio. As a jock, it is my duty to give nerds a hard time. News Talk 98.9 The Roar. Memphis. Yeah, because nobody screams cool like Homer Simpson. Right? Mm -hmm. Anyway, welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio. I'm Joe Thorderson with Thor. Let's start that again. <laughs> You're on the wrong I'm Joe show. Thor Boy, I, I mixed it up this morning, too. I've got Batman on the brain. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max behind the glass. And it's time to introduce our uh, guest who has been sitting here quietly and patiently. But uh, we've got our friend Ned Canty. He's the director of Opera Memphis. And right away, I can tell all of our new listeners are going, what, what's Wait, he what? doing here? <laughs> Oh, the, a, a, a cultured, sophisticated yes. uh, director, you know, well-articulated, well-traveled, very sophisticated <laughs> man. What is he doing on a geek show? Well, hey, he's one of us people. Have, and, have you uh, ever seen an opera? Yeah, no kidding. If you've seen an opera, you know, come on, guys. Well, this is original that's, geekdom. That's the problem. People are biased, and they don't realize what you do, Ned. Well, Ned, welcome back, man. It's It's been too long, man. It's so good to be back here. Yeah, Ned's a Ned's a, a fellow traveler. He's a he's a geek. But one thing that you you know, um, because uh, Ned, I grew up. My my mom taught me uh, took me to the opera, and um, I've I've been around the arts like that for quite a while. But um, as I recall, growing up in Chicago, the opera was a pretty big deal. You got dressed up. It the tickets were expensive. It was a pretty you know big fancy uh, type of night out. 
And you're you're kind of uh, a, a different approach here, right? I mean, yeah, you know, I, I think the getting dressed up, all that fanciness. I mean, if people want to get dressed up to go out for a night, that's great. But really, the only rule we have with how to dress for opera is uh, no shirt, no shoes, no opera. <laughs> Other than that, you know, dress to be wow. comfortable. Like you're you're going out to see entertainment, you, the same as if you were going out to see a movie or anything else. You just ask somebody to come dress like Donald Duck. <laughs> Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> I will give you a free ticket if you arrive dressed as Donald Duck. And okay, I'll buy he the first no pants no, no, afterwards. Yeah. So yeah. But but Ned, uh, one of the things that you if you're if you're a longtime listener of Geek Tank Radio, you already know this. But one of the uh, one of the approaches and one of the things uh, that Ned you've tried to emphasize over the years is the fact that that. Uh, Opera was a very street-level form of art. It's yep. It was for the masses, and somehow over the last hundred years or so, it's kind of been not, not hijacked, but a lot of people have just decided that... Uh, it was you know. a, a really convenient way for people in the beginning of the 20th century and the late 19th century to say, we are important and you are not. And in America, <laughs> we always find ways to say, we're better than you are. Yeah. But the actual art form, you know, if uh, even if you go now into places like Italy... The barista at the coffee shop is going to give you an earful about the show that they saw last night because for them, it is popular entertainment. And, you know, somehow it just got sidetracked uh, around like the 20s, 30s, 1920s, 1930s. And it's taken us a long time to try to get it back on track. But the things that make it important, the things that make it valuable, and the things that made me fall in love with it are the same things that made me fall in love with The Dark Knight Returns or any of the geeky things that I was doing. And, you know, the my experience with a game like Mass Effect 3, something like that, right. is purely operatic. Dragon Age Inquisition, that is a purely operatic experience for me. And what we do in the opera has those same sort of crossovers. It's funny you say that because, um, you know, uh, Ned, you've talked to us before about the intersection of uh, of video games and opera, which I thought was was mm -hmm. hilarious, and yet you yep. you articulate in the in the intersection between you know Batman or or the intersection between pop culture and opera. It is just a, it, you know, it's yeah. it's a valid. I don't want to say valid. It is a it is an art form that I think most people need to take a second look at. So. You know, even when you think about when people say something was really intense, they might say it's dramatic. But when they want to say it was ultra over the top intense, they say it was operatic. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what we Good traffic point. in. We traffic in extreme emotions, which is kind of the what most games, most comics. It's all about the same thing. It's about these extremes that these characters are going through. And if you don't believe that, go to an opera and then the next night sit at anybody's D and D table. Yeah. You know, Max, it's mm. funny too because now that now that Ned's saying that, you know, anime is all about extreme emotional and oh, and, yeah. and uh, Attack on Titan, it's the music in there is very operatic. It's always, yep. you know, way over the top like that. So, um well, Ned, um you're in here today uh, to talk about opera, but also there's a couple of um it's funny. We were talking about how you try to bring opera to the masses, we should say, or maybe reclaiming the fact that it's Operas for everybody, and yet, right out of the gate here, you're, you want to promote something that is not for everybody. It's an 18-plus <laughs> opera. What are we getting into yeah, this here, This one man? isn't for kids. So our, our opera that's coming up, it opens next week, is is uh, it's Opera MA for Language and Content. Mm -hmm, right. mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, and it's actually two one-act operas, and the first one is called The Companion. And it's sort of like a, an operatic Black Mirror or Twilight Zone episode, one of the lighter cool, ones. Cool, cool, cool. Uh, it's about a, a woman who doesn't have time for a relationship, so she buys a companion, a lifelike android who cooks for her, cleans for her, services her in the bedroom, and uh, she wants to get him upgraded. 
because unfortunately the basic model that she could afford still has pop-up ads. So wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, let's be tasteful here, Ed. Oh, yes. I mean, yeah. Pop-up no, 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 no. ads. So he'll I, be massaging her feet or something, and he'll uh, suddenly have an ad for foot fungus or something <laughs> like that. I, 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 yeah. You have no idea. I have been waiting all morning for you to say that, to look at their faces. That's brilliant. Because oh, I'm gosh. the only person in this room that knew what was going to happen that, when you said that. Yes. So wait a minute. That's so a, it's like the actually, free app that you get. Right. right. Yes. The, okay, gotcha. And, oh, oh, you, you want to <laughs> yeah. get the pop-up ads out? Well, you know, it's it, one of my one of my favorite expressions was, you know, you're you're getting a massage and suddenly it goes, and we have lovely marbled beef for sale at Piccadilly. Da da da. da you know, it, it's the non sequitur of this. Wait, who? Is so, an so, so he's scream. he's basically Facebook. <laughs> yeah. In a lot of ways. Yeah. 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 Who, who, who wrote this? You said it's only four years old. Yeah. So David Cody, uh, who's a New York writer, and Robert Patterson, mm -hmm. uh, who's a, a composer. They do a lot of cool, fun stuff. Uh, you know, the, the David Cody's libretto, the, the you know, the play part of the opera, uh, it has allusions in there to Blade Runner. It has allusions to the first law of robotics, which mm -hmm. is not only do they mention it, then they make fun of the norm for for thinking that it's real somehow uh that actually uh, androids are not really governed by corporations uh and there's a ton of monty python in there i mean so that it's, so it's really, a comedy for sure yeah, oh yeah. it's absolutely a comedy it's a it's a rom-com basically uh the way that some of those lighter uh, uh black mirror episodes are okay because you know uh, another thing you've taught us ned I've, i i've paid attention i've took notes and you said uh and he keeps them all uh, I always just assumed that opera was, you know, from hundreds of years ago and everything. And you told us that the 20th century and then, you know, into the 21st, there's been more operas written now than any point in history, right? Which been, surprises yes. me. I yeah. didn't realize More American still... operas written in the past 20 years than in the entire history of our country before then. Very so interesting. It's, it's going on. It's going on all around us. And we've been a part of it. We've, we've uh, uh, commissioned shows that have been performed all across the country in LA, in New York, San Francisco, Chicago, Dallas, Houston, New Orleans, you name it. Okay, and then, so, nice. but you said this is a two opera, and then, so uh, I'm gonna try to pronounce it right, Pygmalion, or Pygmalion? Pygmalion. Pygmalion. male, like a male. So a this one is 200 years old, and you're yeah. teaming it up with an opera from four years, and, and I'm sure there's a tie-in, right? Yeah. Can, can They're I not just, that different. Can I just, yeah. go, you've never heard of Pygmalion? I feel like I've heard of it, but I know I haven't seen it. Oh. So I haven't seen every op. My mom we was need to partial get him out to of the a... baseball zone. Ned you Mozart didn't. <laughs> so Mozart million... didn't do this right because my no. mom always took me to Mozart. Yes. That was and, her. Hey, know. Mozart knew his myths too. I mean, the, yeah. the, there are very few operas that don't have some kind of element of the supernatural myth, something in there. And this one's no different. the The myth is two thousand years old, but basically, it's about a guy who can't find someone to love, so he creates a statue and he falls in love with the statue, and really. That is the same story as every story that we, you know, whether it's Mannequin, whether it's Weird Science, you know, whether it's Blade Runner, yeah. you know, all of these movies that have to do with, you know, I'm, I'm not connecting, I'm not finding a human to connect with, so I'm going to create that human, or I'm going to create the perfect human. And, you know, I grew up with The Next Generation. It started when I was a freshman in high school, and so, you know, watching Data thinking about what does it mean to be alive? Because, you know, he starts out, he's got these pop-up ads and she wants him to be uh, more spontaneous, more realistic. So at one point she says, I want you to say, I love you. And he says, shall I add that to the protocol? Because she, <laughs> you can program him to say, I love you, right. but he's not going to say it 
and unless she gets this maximum realism upgrade, oh, which geez. she does finally invest in, only to find that sometimes the realistic version of your boyfriend is actually not what you want if you're looking for the perfect guy. So mm -hmm. it's, uh, <laughs> and you know, again, that's, she that's wants now he's of, leaving his she, socks on the floor. She wants the foot like, rub, he wants a sandwich. Exactly. <laughs> you, pro you pretty much just described the third scene of this opera. <laughs> yeah, are you, did we give a spoiler warning? Sorry. Here, that's okay. I mean, it's, okay. There's more of the opera after that because really that idea of what, you know, th there is a lot in there about what does it mean to be alive. And, you know, as we're going through the, some of these folks are pretty geeky who are working on the show with me, especially the soprano. Yeah, big no geek. surprise. And yeah. so uh, yeah, Sergio, who plays the robot, huge Spider-Man guy. Yeah, you yeah. know, you know, we'd never be mentioning words like, you know, Frankenstein at this point yeah. or golems or, mm -hmm. you know, whatever level of mythology from real mythology all the way forward do you want to talk about this is opera folks this is where it all started began was made popular and to be honest 2000 years ago they didn't make a movie out of your work they made an opera an opera and that's how you knew you had made it yeah and and actually there's a reason um it, it, there's a benefit to listening to geek tank radio because uh you're offering a discount code for these shows right 18 plus though don't yes. bring your kids so. 18 plus no kids allowed but it's a two-for-one code if you go to the operamemphis.org website you go to buy tickets the code is tears and rain and if you <laughs> if you don't get the reference then uh, why are you listening to the show? <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I get it. Be oh, <laughs> I'm going to get scolded wait, on wait, the Wait, wait, we've always said that we need to make him watch that. <gasps> That's true. Okay, well, that there you go. True. Tears yeah. and rain. I'll get educated when we uh, when we go to break. But, hey, Ned, in in um, it, piggybacking on something Alan just said, when we come back, I did a little research, and I found a sci uh, science fiction story uh, about going to outer space, and it's over 2,000 years old. Mm -hmm. And I bet you Ned knows all about it. Uh, we're going to unpack that when we come back. You're listening to Geek Tank Radio here on News Talk 98.9 The Roar of Memphis. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Geek Tank Radio. Anyhow, you'll have to wait. The kids are busy right now. Oh, is the organ harvesting clown here? Nah, Rusty comes on Tuesdays now. News Talk 98.9 <laughs> The Roar of Memphis. Well, I mean, you know, you got to come up with unique birthday party ideas. Kids get bored after a while. Well, I've, I've found that the way to keep from having to host the kids' party... Fill the pinata with ketchup. There you go. Anyway, welcome back to... Uh, wow. That was the most random uh, rejoiner we've ever got. Anyway, welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth and our buddy Max behind the glass and our good friend uh, Ned Canty, the director of Opera Memphis, who uh, he's just, you know, he's one of us, although I'm horrified to admit uh, to learn, Ned, that you've never seen uh, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, which is... Brandon and I agree that's probably the best animated version of Batman. It's true, but at the same time, you didn't get the Tears and Rain reference. <laughs> All right, well, it's basically from Blade Runner, which which I can't stand, and that's the reason uh, I just, uh, whatever. I always liked you until this moment. But that's I, okay. At least it's, <laughs> that, it's not that you haven't seen it. Everyone has a right to I, dislike a masterpiece. Right, I, I'm, I'm, yeah. so, I'm sorry, you can you not like the movie all day long, but if that speech didn't stand out to yeah. you, you have no soul. Okay. All right. I mean, I whatever. Yeah. Let's not let's not talk about what I don't like. Hey, Ned. Um, in a minute. Well, because that could take a while. But Ned, yeah. uh, I I shouldn't have even. Line up for the Cubs. I shouldn't have even teased this, but I'm just gonna just throw this out there because uh, I did mention it. There was a an, an ancient uh, Greek writer back in the second century A.D. 
from Syria, and he was sort of a wise guy. His name was uh, Lucian uh, Samo Sada. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he was a contemporary with uh, with Plato and all these other guys, and he was a. Uh, he, he was sort of disappointed with the state of literature then because he thought all these guys were kind of full of baloney. Right. They'd go on these travelogues and they'd write about all these mythical creatures that they saw. And they're like, well, just take our word for it. Yeah, there's a hippogriff. There's all this other. And so he wrote really what could be considered the first science fiction story. It's a story about going to outer space, meeting aliens on the moon, meeting the meeting having wars on the planet venus and all this other so it's worth a look but i don't want to eat up I your time here so look up lucian of sam samasota and uh samasata i think samasata. it's sarasota and the, the, the funny thing is it's called a true story <laughs> that's what it's called okay. it's a traveler's true so, tale well, so look he, it up he it's was funny. a syrian and he was a satirist yeah, oh, he's so, a wise guy. So, oh, yes. so, yes. so from now but, on, when Joe makes a dad joke, we can call it a Lucian joke? Yeah. Yes. But but awesome. just to reinforce kind of this principle you brought us, Ned, that none of this stuff is new. The yeah. Science fiction, fantasy, horror, all of it, and it's it kind of coalesces in opera. Opera's been doing this a lot longer than uh, the movies have, that's for sure. And, you know, the, this, superheroes are our mythic figures. It's our Hercules. Sometimes it's, you know, Hercules is both. It's our Loki, our Thor, et cetera, but it's also our Batman, our Superman, et cetera. Yeah. So most of the earliest operas are all about the gods. They're all supernatural. Uh, but even in terms of science fiction, in 1777, Joseph Hayden wrote an opera called Il Mondo della Luna, where uh, some uh, the daughters of this guy uh, decide to embarrass him because he's being mean to them uh, by getting him drunk. And then when he wakes up, they pretend that he's woken up on the moon, that he's been kidnapped by a moon creature. <laughs> And brought uh, to the moon, all right. right? All right. So and awesome. this is more than 200 years ago that they were doing this. This is before uh, the the film, the name of which I'm forgetting. This is before H.G. Wells. Opera was was telling these stories. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. dude, what's really bad is that you know you bringing that up. Uh, it it reminds me of a story that we had going on at our comic shop, and it was more to convince somebody that this comic actually existed. We were, we were pulling. It's like, yeah, I, I've had a copy for years. It was called Aquaman on the Moon because there's no water. He can't do anything. Yeah, what power? Oh, yeah. Anyway. Right. But well, yeah, you bring it up the, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, all right, Aquaman on the moon. Yeah, it's, that definitely it's, sounds fake. What's but, interesting. I, I but now I want, I want to see if you can make an opera of it. I will do what I can. Awesome. Well, then I'll what's interesting about this is is you're bringing a, a two-play, well, a two-act opera, you said. You've got The Companion, which is a mo very modern story written uh, four years ago, uh, paired up with uh, Pygmalion. Did I say it right? Pygmalion. Pygmalion. Pygmalion which is a 200-year-old story, yet the themes pretty much intersect. Yeah. And uh, so, This it, guy falls in love with his statue, and <laughs> he he's but he thinks he's going insane because he starts seeing the statue move, and he prays to Venus, the god of love, to bring her to mm -hmm. life. And again, this is, I mean, it's the, the story in The Companion, it, the way that I've been describing it to, uh, to the singers who are geeks is basically we're watching this this android achieve self-awareness right we're watching him right. become sentient and this is kind of the same thing it's that same story what does it mean to be alive what does it mean to be human what does it mean to be in love and we've been asking ourselves that for as long as we could ask ourselves that but what you're telling us is that you have a sci-fi double feature exactly it's All just right. one of them was written 200 years ago and one of them was written after blade runner that nice. masterpiece that everyone should love Right. That's interesting. Who's responsible for for putting this together? As if I had to ask, <laughs> who's responsible for brains? The who's the brainchild behind he, this? He wants to know who to go after with those torches and pitchforks. Right, it's yeah. me. I, yeah. I mean, it's, Big I surprise. love I love seeing the connections. I love finding these things. 
my I direct a lot of comedies and there are jokes in this 200 year old opera and there are jokes mm -hmm. in this Roman story that are the same jokes. People have been laughing at fart jokes forever. We might yes, want to sure. think we invented them. Nope. But the nope. same things that were that are funny to us were funny to people a hundred years ago, a thousand, two thousand more. And I'm sure that all of the the plays that we just don't have written records of going back before the Greeks and the Romans were still dealing with fart jokes. I mean, that is there are certain things that are essential to us as humans. I, I'm going to say it here. If you are a really old listener to Geek Tank Radio, you're going to learn where the first whoopee cushion came from. Mm. And it was uh, Emperor Heligabalus. Remember that story? Yeah. With, uh, uh, yeah. You might have been here for that one, I Ned. It, it was a, a Roman emperor. He was like a teenager. Boy, this kid was a, a man. He, he was, was a practical he, joker. So he, he was an ancestor of yours. Yeah, and he invented the whoopee cushion, but it was made out of like an animal bladder or right. something. Yes, made out of pig's bladder. But... Brandon, you talked about, uh, or, or some, you know, you mentioned how uh, they they put him asleep and then they make him think that they woke up on the moon. Well, he would he would get these, uh, the, he'd have these parties, he'd get everybody really drunk, and he would put them, in, after they passed out, inside rooms with, like, toothless lions and things like that. Oh. So you talk about a, a, a wake up All to right. uh, <laughs> there's There's a part so of me everything. You there's know, a everything part of me that's disgusted by declawing and defanging a lion, but right. at the same time, that had to be hilarious. <laughs> I, I will say this: uh, it didn't end well for Hel. He 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 pretty much. Uh, wait, am I? Is it Helicobalus? I think it is. Yes, you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> he, he he didn't have a long. Career. I was going to say most of the people listening to no, this episode no, are driving no. at the moment, so uh, they're yeah. probably not going to have yeah, time to no, look it up. He, is, he 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 died of a you know uh, Roman wedgie. Yeah, but <laughs> but Steve Ned Joe uh, buys that. Ned, uh, the the opera, see, well, I mean, we missed it in 2020 altogether. And so is this the first outing, I guess you could this say? Is this is the this first indoor opera that we've done in sort of pre-COVID conditions. We, okay. uh, a week after we had to shut down the theaters, we borrowed a horse trailer from a friend in Mississippi, and we started driving around the town doing free concerts in various neighborhoods so that people could come down yes. to the front of their lawn and we could still do something. And it was... One of my favorite things we've ever done in my 11 years here because it really showed the difference between connecting with real humans. I mean, there's a reason why all of us go to cons because we want to share our love of what we enjoy with right. other human beings in person. And going to the arts, going to the opera is the same thing. And so we've, we've had stuff going on. We've never stopped singing. We've never stopped performing. But this is the first sort of regular season style show that we've been able to do. Even with that said, we still, you know, we're only selling half the theater. We might be able to open that up, but we had to make these plans, you know, nine months ago. Right. right. Uh, so, you know, but we are uh, getting back towards that, uh, that normalcy. So we're well, hoping that people will normal come as normal as any of us can. Yeah. Well, fair point. Uh, but, you know, we really want people to come out. And I would say that, you know, I, I didn't grow up with opera. I came to opera late in life. The first opera I saw when I was 18, I didn't like. And I didn't see another one until I was 26. And it was the first opera I was hired to work on. And that was my next opera. Wait, so I did not expect to love it. I didn't mm. expect to fall in love with it at, you know, at, at that moment. I thought I was just helping to pay my rent. And so if if you are curious about different types of art, different types of storytelling, if you are a cultural omnivore or a pop cultural omnivore, as I am, as I think most people should be, then this is a really great way to come and just check it out. Because the first one is in English, it's modern, it gives you a sense of one style of opera. And then the second one is Italian, but we have translated titles, right? So you can read what's happening the whole time, although often you don't even need them because the music is so powerful. 
So you get in 90 minutes, you get like two tastes of opera. And, you know, if you could imagine uh, picking two movies that showed very different sides of the, the pop cultural spectrum, right? Two different comic books or comic book movies or whatever that gave people an idea of if you like one of these two, then you should go and explore these other ones. This is a great opera for that. You're you're making me think of something too, Ned. So one is a uh, one is 200 years old, one is four years old. Which one? Which one are you uh, doing first? Which act? So we're actually doing the companion first, uh, the modern one, and then the uh, so Pygmalion, the 200 year old opera. One of the characters talks about the fact that you can now walk into paintings, and so the second act is presented as the two of them in the metaverse going to this opera with their you know haptic suits and you know, uh, uh, glasses on. I don't want it to be Zuckerberg's metaverse. It'll be somebody else's metaverse. Okay. Basically, it's, uh, so we're doing the, the older one second for that reason. That's, that's interesting. Nice. So, you know, it, Ned's an out-of-the-box thinker. I would have assumed it's going to be the old one first mm -hmm. and then not, so. All right, well, we're going to unpack more of these, uh, the opera surprises going on here. You're listening to uh, Geek Tank Radio here on News Talk 98.9, The Roar of Memphis. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Geek Tank Radio. Also, they told me you guys look like dorks. They look like dorks. Dorks. News Talk 98.9. The roar of Memphis. Bender's always ready to defend us. Good for you, Bender. <laughs> anyway, welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio. What, Brandon? Okay. My mic's not on. Oh. Uh, okay, now I'm back. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, Brandon. Nice of <laughs> um, you to join us. Peek oh. behind the curtain. <laughs> okay, anyway. Welcome back to uh, Geek Tank Radio. I'm Joe Thorderson here with my friends Brandon Olmstead and Alan Gilbreth. And our buddy Max behind the glass, and our special pal Ned Canty, director of Opera Memphis. And uh, one would assume that if you're listening to a radio show and you got the director of Opera Memphis, who's been he's, he's traveled all over, mm. he he deals with culture and sophistication. If you if you could hear the conversation going on <laughs> off the air, we're dealing with the entomology or the uh, the, the history of the, flatulence. Um, the, we're dealing with uh, you know right, some pretty right. pretty weird subjects right. today, so, Ned. So, I mean. Max is digging up the ancient Sanskrit scrolls all yeah. about the process. Yeah. So, yeah. What do we tell you? <laughs> anyway, very weird. You yeah. never know what you're going right, to get. But, Joe, right, you just coalesced a point I want to make. Welcome to opera. <laughs> Nothing is off the table. Opera is crazy love affairs, gods, myths of twist you've never saw coming, twist you see coming two miles away and you're still thrilled when they happen, of unexpected burst of, of strange things from the chorus. I'm, I'm thinking of 50 different operas just running through my mind here because as a supervillain, I am a massive consumer of opera. Yes. <laughs> and... Well, it's 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 in the card. You yeah. know, you get your he, opera subscription and you get your supervillain card. It's it's how they learn their monologues. It it is. Yeah, because Ned, uh, but, you know, you you're bringing us a a, a two part. Uh, well, it's a two act opera. One two vignettes. Is, you know, the uh, the companion, which was a, a four year old opera that uh, ties in with you know falling in love with your uh, AI and all that. And th this is not for kids, folks. It's normally Ned brings us kind of family friendly stuff. Not this year. Yeah, and we'll Ned. you know we have plenty okay. of that that'll that'll be wow. happening. We've got in April we do thirty days of opera. That's thirty days of free mm. performances all throughout the city. We'll be doing a family opera for free at a couple of different locations. So you right. go on our website and and learn more about that. So we absolutely have family friendly stuff if that's what you uh, if that's what you're looking for. And you know the fact of the matter is that a lot of the operas that we do regularly. 
uh, are really are filled with sex and violence. They should be rated high, sort of like Shakespeare. These things should not be studied by eighth graders. Mm. And if really the English teachers knew how dirty Mercutio was, Ooh. if they could, oh, yeah. if they really knew what he was saying, we probably would wait until college to teach some of these things. And opera's the same way. People will bring their kids, uh, you know, to to see an opera. And if those kids can read, they're seeing a story about prostitution, adultery, murder. Right you know, anger, mm -hmm. rage, all of the good things in life. Uh, but the, <laughs> some of them yeah. are pretty adult. Yeah. Well, and so it's, a, it, but, but what's interesting and actually uh, we, we, uh, we better do this before we forget. This is at Playhouse on the square because there's a lot of venues in town. So there this are. is Playhouse on the square and you're offering a two for one ticket code uh, for our listeners. We're, we're honored. Yeah. yeah. So and it's tears and rain. Go on our website, uppermemphis.org. And when you uh, go to check out, just enter tears and rain. You know what that is, Alan? What it is is they uh, you, you you use this code which shows that you listen to Geek Tank Radio, and mm, then they seat mm. you like together so that you're all the geeks are kind of uh, corralled into one area. So it means that I make sure that they get the best seats. Oh, okay. I, know go. I was gonna say Ned's yeah. one of us. That's true. You don't understand, Joe. <laughs> but Ned, how are you gonna? How you, you know, first of all, I would have thought the it would just be natural that you play the two hundred year old opera scene first and then go to the the modern one. But you're doing this in reverse. And how how are you connecting these? Uh, Concept. It, you know, part of it for me is that uh, one of the things I love about opera is it's an analog art form. You know, I, I can't sing worth a damn. I'm not I'm not an artist in that way. Uh, but opera singers can create these sounds that are loud enough to be heard over a 30 piece orchestra in a 2000 mm. seat hall. Mm. And it's it is a kind of superpower that requires a lot uh, you know, a lot of training, that sort of thing. But uh, so I love the analog nature of it. Mm -hmm. And one of the debates in, uh, you know, the the I this woman who is trying to upgrade her robot boyfriend, uh, the technician who comes in, Dax, asks her on a date. And uh, she, he says, like, so you're this beautiful woman. You know, you got some money. Why do you have a companion? Why don't you have a real boy? And she says, why don't you have one? You work for the company. And he says, I prefer organic. And you know, this is a <laughs> nice. world in which it's sort of like a Gattaca where, like, to do things old school organic right. is kind of a weird fetish almost. You know, he's abnormal. He's the weirdo because he wants to have an organic experience. And so that analog versus digital divide is something that I think about a lot because we do crave in-person experiences. It's just if if the the Egg McMuffin or the, the McGriddle is 20 feet away and, you know, the good breakfast is two miles away, <laughs> you're going to be tempted to get the McGriddle. I'm going to be tempted. And we've all learned how much incredible art there is you know, how much there is to do on our sofa and what, whatever it is, whether it's us, whether it's Playhouse, whether it's, you know, the ballet, whatever it is that you're going out to, there is something that comes from sharing an experience in private, or, uh, sorry, in public rather than in private, sharing these artistic experiences. It's why we still go to the movies. Yeah, it's why Alan. Because Alan wants movies to go away. And, oh, uh, that's not what Mike said. It's the first thing I, I think in, I have in five never years said of being that. on this show that I, I have like, never oh, he, said he hates that. the movies. He, yeah. I have never said he that. He is not a fan of the modern theater experience. I, correct. Okay. However, what I will point out, when you go to a live opera experience, what you do not get anywhere else is the power of that performer. Right. Yeah. When you go to a well-designed theater designed for a comfortable experience, Joe, 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. Some some of us that have issues. Well, you don't have those without the uh, nuts and bolts theaters either, uh, keeping the lights on. Well, or lights off, I should you know, say. Yeah. Uh, when you go <laughs> to a theater designed for the experience, it is an immersion of what what takes hundreds of thousands of dollars in electronics to do in a movie theater. One usually very small human being <laughs> walks out there on that stage takes a deep breath, and... You are transported it, it, to a new world. Say that again, Brandon. You are transported to a new world. That's, I couldn't say it any better. Hey, Ned, you know, I hate to... Gosh, I always hate when Alan brings up a good point because then I got to <laughs> give him credit, and then he'll Alan, hold it. Joe's but, admitting Alan's right. Take a shot. No, no, but Ned, uh, Alan does make a good point. Okay, when you go to a movie, you're seeing a produced thing. You're seeing a, a digital thing these mm. days. There is something to be said for when you see... People performing art in a live setting, like for example, I went to the Italian Fest about ten years ago, and they had a country band there. And I'm, I, I have nothing against country music, but it's just not my thing. However, I had a lot of fun at this concert, and I actually enjoyed it being performed live. And I'm wondering, what is the dynamic? Why is why do we as humans crave or enjoy that live? performance is there i mean there's got to be something to that yeah right? i mean there's uh, there are physiological reasons about you know looking somebody in the eye and what that does to your brain chemistry i mean it's it's literally hardwired into us that we want to share these experiences with other people and you know again so many of i didn't like the venture brothers until i watched an episode at the new york comic-con in like 2000 nine maybe with the crowd uh, with the crowd mm, mm, and like point. i found it clever but I, I didn't enjoy it until I felt it with them. And then I, wa I went back, watched every episode right. I'd missed and fell in love with it the rest yeah. of the time. I so, feel the same yeah. way about sports. Yeah. I don't care what they're doing on TV. But if you take me to a baseball game, yeah. I am like a kid in a candy shop. Yeah. Same with football or basketball. And I, I am a hockey fan. So, yeah, no, I don't care about where I'm going to bring up like, and look dead, nice. uh, look Ned dead in the eye and go sing to me. Yes. Talk about it. So that's where we... This uh, is an amazing... Yeah. <laughs> if you have not experienced this, it is absolutely astounding. Yeah, so this is basically a program that we started during the pandemic where uh, you can basically hire us to come to your house and we will perform a curated concert of opera and musical theater. And, you know, musical theater essentially is the same as opera uh, in, any, in any meaningful metric. Uh, and we've been doing it for about two years, mainly because for a long time people couldn't go and gather in groups. And we did this for, you know, uh, groups of 10 or 20. We did this in cul-de-sacs for whole neighborhoods of, you know, 100, 150. And it's a program that we were able to institute very quickly in the pandemic. Uh, and that was then copied by companies across the country, most of whom asked our permission first. I didn't uh, know that. Yeah. But I knew you guys the, yeah. were out of the box thinkers. Uh, well, and then, That's of course, cool. you know, six months later, the New York Philharmonic does it and the New York Times writes about it. Uh, as if, you know, they mm. were the first this ones is, to do it. This amazing but, groundbreaking yeah, like, thing. Like, I'm sure the New York Times thinks that in Memphis we do our operas with a jug band instead right. of right. a symphony, <laughs> which, which, you know, which hey, we can't. whatever. We could if we yeah. wanted to. And but, it'd still be know. better than anything in New York. Yes. I didn't know that. As, a, cool recovering New yeah, Yorker, as, as yeah. a recovering New Yorker, I understand the coastal elite mindset. <laughs> and it really is, I think, there there is something that uh, in a city of cultural omnivores, musical omnivores like Memphis, there is a richness to any cultural experience you have that in New York, which is a city of cultural specialists, where there are people who only go to one type of thing. Can, uh, sorry, Nan, but you yeah. triggered me, and I don't want to run out of time, because we discussed this at the Cooper Young Festival, Brandon, and right. you guys will remember this. We said, 
because I've lived in Chicago, I've lived in in California and everything, and I I think the arts the art community in Memphis is utterly unique in that I see so much interconnectedness. I mean, who would have thought we'd have a you know, the director of Opera Memphis on a show, and we've had you in talking about, you know, comic book art and things, mm -hmm. but every art form in in Memphis seems very interconnected and supporting yep. each other. Yeah, so. and we all, we all support each other. We all help each other. We all collaborate on creating new things. One of my favorite things we've done is with New Ballet Ensemble, we did a sing-off, dance-off, where two singers <laughs> are doing very florid, very difficult yes. music, and jukers are dancing to it so that it's like a dance battle with an operatic component. And it's just great. I've done it for uh, people at other opera companies. We performed it for them. And every one of them says, how did you do this and how do we do it in our city? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. It, it is. It's a very unique community out here. And uh, Ned, we, we love the energy you've brought to uh, Opera Memphis, man. Oh, sorry, Brandon. Oh, no, no, it's okay. That, it's, so. it's okay. You're, you're good. Hey, uh, Ned, one time. We don't want to run out of time. So uh, tell us again, how do we uh, check out the new, <laughs> the yep. new 18 plus? Right. Anyway. <laughs> Adult audiences only go to operamemphis.org and you can learn more about the show, where it's at, when it's playing. And uh, you can use the code tears and rain when you go to buy your tickets and you will get two for one. Uh, and that's good for any price ticket. Wait, when is it playing? We didn't even bring oh, that the up. the 12th and the 13th, so a week from Maybe today. We ought to say that. <laughs> opens, opens a week from <laughs> next today. Next week. And it's that Saturday, Sunday of next weekend, and then the following Friday and Saturday. Okay. Is this a good date movie, or is this going to make this people rethink great, their life choices? This is a great date. Life want, choices. Yeah. Okay. This is a great date. And you don't even need to tell <laughs> the person you're bringing on the date that you got a two-for-one. Okay, because, you know, you we don't want to split split any couples up. We don't want somebody deciding, well, you know what? I can just go marry a robot instead, so... <laughs> I don't know. Ned, it's always fun having you on. And don't be a stranger. we got to get you on here more often. So, But uh, we're out of time, guys. So until next week, we are the Geek Patrol. And I am Joe Thorderson. I'm Ned Canty. I'm Alan Gilbreth. And I am Brandon Olmstead, challenging you to see the Batman before we spoil it for you next weekend. Mm.